first reading can be found on page 1027 in the Church Bible. 1027. It's Luke 2, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7a. In those days, Caesar, oh, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. If you want to follow it, it's on page 1061. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 34. Glory to you, O Lord. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, oh dear. 
I've lost a bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Okay, thank you so much for reading that so beautifully. I know it was quite a long, a long reading, and that's my fault. It seems very loud. Um, <laughs> okay, so we were, you may have guessed there are two journeys we are looking at. Actually, we're going to look at three journeys um, in the in the. In the sermon this morning. So should we just pray and then I'll get straight into it. Father God, uh, we thank you for this time. We thank you for Advent where we look forward with anticipation to the greatest gift ever given to this, this earth. The greatest gift ever given to us. The birth of your son Jesus. And Lord, I pray as we come to consider your word, you will just open that up. Take the words that I've prepared and just use them, Lord. Speak through me. Amen. Okay, so we were looking at the journeys. So we were looking at uh, Mary. She was going from um, she was going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and we were looking at the journey of um, two disciples on the road to the Maus. Journeys at the moment are really high up there in my mind because I've just been on holiday. I went to Scotland. I went to uh, the Highlands of Scotland, Fort William. Journey of 558 miles. It took us two days because we did several stops. We stopped in Warrington and then we stopped in Glasgow and then we went to uh, Fort William. Great time. If you ever go to, want to go to Scotland, Fort William's the place to go. Beautiful. And then my daughter, she's just come back from um, about three months in New Zealand. Uh, she's travelled 11,857 miles to get there and 11,857 miles to get back. She flew, obviously, she didn't walk. Um, Stopped in Singapore, and it was a long journey. And she came back into Heathrow the other, uh, last Wednesday or the Wednesday before, and it was a real joy to see her after such a long journey. And here we are, starting with Mary and Joseph. Mary, nine months pregnant, near enough, having to travel about 70 to 80 miles, not by plane or car, but on a, probably on a donkey or walking. The journey would have taken them about four days, maybe five days, 
with her being so pregnant. It must have been so hard. We moaned about our journeys in the car because it took forever. And we stopped for a Costa coffee halfway through. We probably had a McDonald's. Lucy was on a plane. She was, she was flying and she could, they were served food non-stop apparently. Yet she was moaning that she was, she was listening to music that were on repeat. Yet here's Mary, nine months pregnant, travelling 70, 80 miles on a donkey. Bethlehem, hilltop town, so the last part of the journey, they had to even go uphill on the last part of the journey. I mean, that must have been a horrendous. To put it in perspective, the journey is the equivalent of walking from here to Waterloo Station in London. So if you, want to, if you want to know what it's like, get yourself nine months pregnant and walk to Waterloo Station from Southsea. <laughs> yeah, this was Mary, who had an angel come to her and say, so that you are, you are blessed, you're going to carry a child. I mean, what must she have felt like when Joseph said... Do you know what, Mary? We've got to go to um, Bethlehem. And she would have said, when? In about nine months' time? He would have said, you're kidding. Come on, I'm going to be nine months pregnant. She must have wondered what God was doing because she was pregnant with a child of God. I think what this shows us is that sometimes, even when we're in the centre of God's will that times can be hard. She must have found that so hard. She must have wondered, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing, God? Because, look, I'm pregnant, and now I've got to travel all this way. And then she gets to um, Bethlehem. They can't find anywhere to stay. This is, this is Joseph's hometown. He would have probably had family there. But because they weren't married and she was pregnant, nowhere to go. Well, that's probably speculation. It doesn't actually say that, but he probably had family there. They had nowhere to go, and all they could find was a, a back room at an inn. So she travelled a long way, come to Joseph's hometown. She was pregnant and was finding it really hard. And then she came to the birth in a stable or in a back room. I remember when my children were born, when Matthew was born. We went through a, a long labour, 20-something hours, 26 hours or something, of pain and trial. Nowhere near like a journey of 80 miles on donkey and then no medical painkillers or anything. But when Matthew was handed into Elaine's arms, all of that went. All that pain went. When Mary was given Joseph for the first time, all of that pain would have gone because she would have looked into the eyes. And this wasn't any baby, this was the eyes of God. She would have forgotten that journey at that point in time. And then as we read on in the, in the gospel, angels came to shepherds and shepherds came and they said to Mary, to, to great things we had to come and see this child that's born how special must have that felt to Mary 
In fact, we read further on in, in Luke 2, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She must have known that it was something special, even though she'd gone through that really tough journey. And I think that's something we need to learn if we are Christians, that sometimes our journey isn't easy, but actually it's part of God's plan, and we're walking towards him. From cold, dark helplessness, in a dusty stable, the bright, shining light of the world was born. Jesus grew up, and we see that actually Jesus was the rescue plan for the world. He's the only way to God. He's the only way that we can find forgiveness and acceptance. In Acts 4 verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved. In 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And in John 3.16, so well known, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the baby in the manger, handed to Mary, whose eyes she looked into for the first time on that night. Jesus, the only, the only man who was both fully man and fully God, who could reconcile us to the Father. Born in a stable for all who called on his name. And it's our decision to follow him, because he calls our names. And that day could be today. So we move on to the second journey. So the second journey was two disciples on the way to um, a town called Emmaus. I didn't know how far it was. I think it says in the passage, doesn't it? It says seven miles, I think. So it's seven miles, probably three hours walk. I mean, they must have been so fit in those days. If I had to travel seven miles, I'd have walked out and got in my car and just driven there. But... They had a seven-mile journey, and um, they were talking about Jesus. His ministry was only about three years in, in time period, so he'd, he was, he'd, he'd walked with them, he'd talked with them, he'd taught the people, but only for three years. He'd, I think it was between about the ages of 30 and 33 that he moved into ministry. He'd performed many miraculous signs as an adult. He taught people about the love that God has for each one of us and how he wants to know us, and how he wants to, to fill us and come close to us. But the thing that stood between us was sin. And he was crucified, he died, rose again. We're getting on to the Easter story at Advent. But we can't talk about Advent, the birth of Jesus, without talking about the resurrection. We can't talk about the birth without the resurrection, without the Easter story. Because that was the reason that Jesus came into the world. He, was, he died and was buried, and on the third day rose again. So these disciples, they're going off, and they were talking together about all of the things that had happened. Having a good chin wag, you can just imagine, yeah, can you remember Jesus when, he was, when we had no food, and they, he broke the bread, and he fed 5,000 of us. How amazing was that? But... 
But I don't understand why he died. They said he was risen, but he's... And do you remember when he, he opened the eyes of the blind? Yet he would, we thought he was God and he was coming to save us, but... And Jesus himself, they didn't know it was Jesus. He came alongside them and walked with them and was opening up the scriptures. He was saying that, look, I had to die. I had to die for your sin because there's no other way. There's no other way you could come to God. In Judaism, it was physical sacrifice. And God doesn't want us to have to kill animals just to get close to him. He gave his son so that we could come to him. And Jesus opened all this up from Moses all the way through to him walking and feeding the 5,000 to preaching the good news of his love, of God's love. And we get to the point where they're sat down with this stranger for supper. And... Um, He's sat there, they don't know who he is, and then he breaks the bread. This is my body given for you. My blood shed for you. And their eyes were opened at that moment of who they were walking with. I said it's a journey. The sermon is of three journeys, and the third journey is our journey. Are you walking through this Advent period? with Jesus at your side and just not seeing him. Because he's calling your name today. They said, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? Is God walking with you today? And your heart's burning within in you. And you're just not recognising that Jesus is with you today. And calling your name. And all you've got to do is turn to him and say, come into my life. Because that is what Christmas is about. The birth of a saviour. The birth of the only one who can bring us back into fellowship with God. Are you still focusing on the pain of your journey through life, the hardness, the hard times, the pain like Mary almost certainly felt on that donkey? Are you focusing on that pain of the journey rather than the birth place where you can look into the eyes of the Saviour and forget all of that? It's the hope of the gospel. Jesus, a guy who had three years' ministry, yet split time before Christ and Anno Domini. And I deliberately use those terms rather than coming into the common era because historians have got it wrong. Because Anno Domini is the Latin for the day of the Lord. Would you rather live in the common era or the day of the Lord? I want to live in the day of the Lord. And that is why I came to Jesus when I was 22. And I'm going to walk with him forever. 
Because I know, even in the tough times, when my heart is breaking, that I have a God who's with me. I know when I lose people who I love to, to cancer, I will see them again. Because that's the hope of the gospel. Because when we die in Christ, we'll be raised again. I'm oh, sorry, I'm getting emotional. I lost my mother-in-law not just a, a couple of months ago. But that's the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is that one day, those who die in Christ will be raised again. They'll come and live in a new heaven and a new earth. All the pain will be washed away. All our tears will be wiped away by God. And we'll see the eyes of that babe that Mary looked into saying, I love you. That is the Christmas message. That is where, where Mary went on her journey for. That's why the hearts of the two disciples were set on fire when they were walking with Jesus, and they didn't know it. So you walking through this Christmas, seeing a familiar story and just not having your eyes opened, because Jesus is in that story and he wants to open your eyes. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you that you came down at Christmas time. Well, we made Christmas, Lord, but you came and we remember your birth. Lord, let this Christmas be a time of real blessing where we know you where our hearts burn within us for the love that you have for us, the passion that you have for each of us, and let us know you afresh this Advent. Amen. God bless you this Christmas.